But to me, I, I was thinking about this. Um, what does it mean to be open-minded? I'm going to try to speak up. Um, for me, open-minded means um, ready to listen to a new idea. And um, for me, it was like many, many years of trying my own ideas. And even though my old and my own ideas didn't work very well, continuing to try those ideas over and over and over and over. And um, even though I didn't realize it, um, my mind was not accepting new ideas very well. You know, it was kind of like a cafeteria where I would go along with my tray and I would pick things like, quite often I picked um, don't eat any more sugar because I knew that sugar was a drug for me. Um, but other things that I was also powerless over as far as food went on the tray. <laughs> and um, because I thought I could control it. That was my idea. You know, My idea was that I could handle it. I could control it. My idea was that if I gave up sugar, everything would work out with those other foods at some point. I would be able to be moderate. I love that word. I'd be able to be moderate. And, um, and you know, as long as the, many years that that didn't work, I still thought it would work. But when my mind first started to open up, and a lot of it was just fatigue. It was just, it was desperation. It was fatigue. I was just tired. I just got tired. And I realized that the reason I was tired was because I was fighting, fighting, fighting all the time to try to get my own way. And I would do the things that my old ideas told me to do. And they didn't work. And then I was tired because I kept getting beat. I kept getting beat, you know. And I kept losing. I was not winning the fight. And... Um, so finally, 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 something like moved in my mind. As they say in the program, I was given that gift. The gift of being desperate enough to try something new. You know? So the gift of desperation and the gift of surrender. You know, I read in a, a book that's new to me the other day, and he said... Um, you know, it really is, it really just comes down to surrender. And I thought I could fight my way out of my problems. I mean, that was really my old idea. I could fight it out. I could figure it out. I could fight it out. I could win. It was going to work out. I was going to make it work out. And uh, many, many years passed. And I kept getting big bumps on my head. And one day I just uh, decided to surrender that. And somebody said to me, can you write down your food and, uh, you know, tell it to me and then just eat what's on the list. And, uh, you know, my idea was spontaneous eating, you know, spontaneous decisions about food, which, believe me, never worked. And, you know, whenever I made uh, decisions on the spot last minute, it was like a disaster. The quantities or the kind of food was always out of control. So the day that this happened, and I know the exact day it was, it was July 11, 2011. Um, I wrote a list, 
and it left off all the what all those foods, what people call the red light foods, those foods that I really knew, and I knew for years I couldn't handle. They were left off the list, and thank you God I've been without those foods for all this time, and you know, it never occurred to me that I would be able to write a food plan leaving those foods off. My old idea said, I can handle those, I can handle it, I can handle it. That was an old idea that I was extremely reluctant to let go. I did not want to let go of that idea. So when my mind opened on that, because like food is the most basic thing for me, you know, food, the greatest symptom of my disease. And when that idea sort of shifted, then all sorts of other things started shifting too because, you know, I was like, my old idea was like, oh, one or two meetings a week, you know, that's all I can fit in, I'm so busy. And she was like, uh, you know, you really need to go to five meetings a week. Are you going to be willing to go to five meetings a week? And I'm a, a teacher, I've worked in the schools, and so it was the summer. So I said, sure, sure, I can go to five meetings a week. So until school started, I went to five meetings a week, and when school started, I, I only cut it by one. So I've been going to four meetings a week all this time. And so that old idea didn't work either. So when I became open-minded, I realized that I needed more meetings than I had been willing to go up to, <laughs> right? I just wasn't willing to do that. I wasn't willing to plan on them. I wasn't willing to make the time. I wasn't willing to go sit there and listen to people that I don't want to listen to. And... Um, so that was another old idea. So becoming open-minded, for me, was like accepting that maybe somebody else's idea worked and might work not just for them, but it might also work for me. And, and then putting that into action. Actually doing it. You know, because being open-minded for me wasn't like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> and then not doing anything different. I mean, I actually had to do something different. You know. So, removing those foods from my food plan, going to those amount of meetings, and another thing she wanted me to do was she wanted me to write every day. And my idea about writing was like, oh, I'll write when I need to write. I'll write when I have a problem. Like that wasn't going to come up, right? You know, and, um, you know, so when somebody says, you know, read a little bit every day, write a little bit every day, that was like, that just didn't fit into my old ideas at all. But um, I decided to put that into practice. And I've been writing, I won't say every single day, but I mean, I write six days a week. And I've been doing that for next Saturday or next Friday. It will be three years. And, you know, my old idea was that I decided how things turn out. I decided, is it going to work? Is it not going to work? And, you know... Being open-minded means that I got to accept that I didn't really know what was going to work. I certainly had plenty of experience with what didn't work, but I had no experience at all with what did work. Zero. And, you know, I think I had dismissed things. I had dismissed a lot of ideas because, you know what, it just seemed too hard. It seemed too hard. It seemed too much like work. Like doing something every day like that was like, Every day, you know, every day. And, you know, it's like, she was like, well, you only have to do it for today. And I was like, you know. But, 
you know what? I didn't think of it this way. I didn't think of it as, oh, I'm becoming open-minded. I really didn't think of it that way at all. But it really did... I mean, once the miracle of not having those foods on my food plan and being able to follow that food plan, once that miracle happened, <laughs> I was like, that made me like a little more open to trying new things because I kind of figured, gosh, if that could work, what else might work? Maybe they're right. Maybe those people have been right all this time, and that's kind of weird, you know. So maybe there's pe- I knew there were people who write every day. I knew there were people that meditate every day. I knew there were people that went to all these different meetings. But I had never been one of those people. I thought I could decide what worked. And I thought I knew what worked. All evidence to the contrary. I thought I knew what worked. Well, I didn't know. So it was the food plan, it was the meetings, it was the writing, and, you know, this writing every day really turned out to be a thing where, you know, I didn't have... My old ideas were like quick and dirty. You know, I mean, that's kind of my old ideas. You know, like don't spend a lot of time. I really didn't understand time. I didn't want to invest time in stuff, you know. And, you know, I wanted to be one of those people, oh, okay, I'll read the big book, I'll read it all in a couple of days, and then it'll be over. (laughs) You know, that was my idea about reading, you know. I'm like... The idea of reading a little bit and like thinking about it and the writing about it, how it applied to my life, how it applied to my character, how it applied to my, you know, addiction and and my recovery in this program was to me like too much like work. That was not my idea. So when I started to apply that, and it wasn't like I could look at it every single day. And in the 12 and 12 it says, you know, some of our character defects we might find are lifted like just like that. And then but in most cases we have to be content with patient improvement. Which is probably one of my least favorite sentences in the entire twelve and twelve. Patient improvement. But you know, I probably couldn't really see the difference in one day, in two days. You know, but I would write and I would do writing and then like maybe two or three weeks later we'd get together and I'd read her all this writing and she'd be like, good, do some more. <laughs> and I'd be like, I am I not done yet, you know. And um, so that idea was kind of like that continuity, that consistency, that keep on keeping on. And it's not like I never heard that before. Believe me, I heard it. But like... You know, I'm too smart for that. That didn't apply to me. I mean, it didn't, it didn't even matter that I spent my life 50 to 80 pounds more than this weight my whole life. I never maintained a healthy body weight in my entire life, and I'm 59 years old. So that's a long time to be that over. That's a significant amount of weight. That's a long time to be that overweight and still not think that you're, there was something wrong with your thinking, <laughs> you know. But this is where the disease is up here. That's where it is, you know. And the Doritos were just a symptom, you know. Because my idea about Doritos was that, really the, you know, the package was the serving. <laughs> that was my idea about Doritos. And, uh, you know, I was what they call a package eater. And that idea had to go, man. You know, I started reading labels and finding out what serving sizes were, you know. And that was another, you know, my idea was I get to decide how much I eat. 
and uh, that I can eat whatever I want and never gain weight. You know, and that, like, those were ideas. And years and years went by, they never worked. And for somebody to say, you know, honey, there's limits on what you eat if you want to stay that weight, was like, and my mind started opening up. That idea of, you know what, sweetie? The rules apply to you too. The rules apply to you too. If you want to be in better health, then you can only consume so many calories a day. If you want to be in better health, you need to exercise. If you want to practice getting honest, then you've got to practice writing about it and telling the truth to people. That's what you have to do. Nobody gets better at something without practicing. And I know that. I was a musician when I was younger, and I know that it takes hours and hours to get better. But it wasn't until very recently in this program that I was willing to put that time in. And for me, that's what it was. So other ideas that I got open about, the honesty, the sharing, you know, the writing and reading it to a sponsor and not worrying about if I was going to look really bad, you know, like things that I wrote about people at my work or at, about my husband and reading that out loud or my children, like what kind of parent I was. Because I grew up in a house that kept secrets. And I remember one time my mother driving me to school and, I, and she had screamed at me the whole way to school and I got out of the car and she said her parting words, don't tell anybody. And that was our rule at home. And we knew. I didn't have to get told, that, don't tell anybody. Nobody had to tell me that. I knew I was supposed to keep that stuff to myself. And so that was my old idea for so long. And it so didn't work. Because all that pain and anger and fear that has been sitting in here, in my heart and in my head for all these years, has to go somewhere. And it could either go in there, stay inside, and come out in the food symptom and being fat forever. Or I could start talking about it and practicing being different. And my old idea was God was for other people. That was my old idea. You know, God was for those people who wanted to sit around and be weak-willed and read the Bible and not know what they were doing and be unsure of themselves all the time. Well, I was sure of myself all the time. And I knew it was what... I was the smartest person in the room. I was used to being the smartest person in the room my entire life. And the day that I realized that I really needed a higher power, that I really needed a relationship with God, boy, I mean, that really, that really was open-mindedness because God was for other people. God was busy. He was like on another line, you know, and I realized that really the reason I didn't have a relationship with God was because I just didn't want to spend time on it. And somebody that I love dearly said in a meeting one time, you know, you really should be meditating twice a day. I meditate twice every day, every day. And I'm like... And somebody else told me, you really need to meditate every day of the week. Your disease doesn't take Saturday and Sunday off. So these are ideas that, you know, I get up and I do those things. I get up and I do the prayer and meditation. I don't think, I know this already, I don't think I've done this before. You know, I've heard, I heard a saying this year that I don't think I had heard before, which was, you can't stay clean today on yesterday's shower. 
and the peace and serenity that I got yesterday on yesterday's prayer meditation aren't going to do much for me today. So when I wake up in the morning, I get up and I do that. And I did it this morning. And that's an idea. You know, the things that I need to do to recover are all those actions go totally against all my old ideas. And they're all as a result, they all came to me as a result of apparently becoming more open-minded, even though that was not the way I thought of it. Uh, There's a friend of mine in the program who used to always say, I sat in the meetings for like 20 years listening to him say this, try something new, and if it works, try it again tomorrow. (laughs) I'm, I'm sure I've heard him say this hundreds and hundreds of times. And I remember thinking, oh, that sounds really good, but did I ever actually do it? No. And now, like, I'm doing that. I heard something in a meeting um, maybe a month or two months ago. Uh, Somebody that I also very admire a lot, I admire their program, said, you know, he got on his knees every morning and said prayers. Which, you know, I stand in the meetings and say the serenity prayer, right? At the end of every meeting, we say the serenity prayer, and we say the third step prayer. But I was not in the habit of getting on my knees every morning and saying prayers. And I did my meditation and so forth. And the day after I heard him say that, I got on my knees and started saying prayers. And you know what? I'll tell you right now that I don't understand how that works. I do not understand how that works. I don't understand how my head changes. Because my head is like a rock. I don't understand it. But I see myself doing different. And I see myself being different, acting different. I treat people different. I treat my husband better. I treat my kids better. You know, I'm nicer to people at work. I see myself doing things, you know, just like it says in the book. I can see that God is doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. He is doing these things for me because I could not do that. I could not make a food plan with a dinner that looked like fish, vegetables, and salad. I could not, I physically couldn't make myself make that dinner. I couldn't do it. You know, how my life worked was I would come home from school, eat for two hours, and then try to pretend like I was hungry for dinner. That's how my life worked, and I haven't had to do that for a long time. So becoming open-minded for me is like really big time trying out new ideas. Let's see if this works. You know, instead of ahead of time deciding, this isn't going to (laughs) work. That's not going to work. Or even really more, I don't need that. That was really my old idea. I don't need that. I don't need all those meetings. I don't need all that writing. I don't need to sponsor anyone. See me hitting my head. That's me hitting my head. I really don't need to sponsor anyone. And the truth is that upon suggestion, I have gotten some sponsees and listened to those people every day and... You know, all evidence to the contrary, I see how it's helping me. That's a new idea. My old idea was, I don't want to. I have, you know, I would tell myself it was because I had nothing to offer. But the truth was, I was just lazy, I was just selfish, and I just didn't want to do it. I just didn't want to take the time. And now I take the time. And that's an idea that must have come about through God's help. That's the only thing that I can really think of that that made that difference for me.
Okay. So I guess I'd just like to wrap up by saying, um, you know, open-minded, becoming open-minded, you know, I used to think my old ideas didn't work, and I'm so grateful that now I can not only see that my old ideas didn't work, but I have been given the willingness to try many new things, and I can see the recovery in myself, and um, these things must be working, and I don't have to understand it. I just have to keep doing those things and trying new things and listening for new ideas. And I guess I never know when somebody's going to open their mouth and, and say an idea that's going to work for me. So I'm very grateful. So I think that's all I'm going to share for today. <laughs> Thank you for that. Is there anyone who would like to ask a question? In the format, there's a Q&A. Yes. My question to you, Joanne, is, first, I enjoy very much hearing your story. But I'm a little annoyed, because how did you tap into my mind without me knowing it and steal my entire story, <laughs> my entire share? It was very strange listening to you, because... We're twins, and I don't know anything about you other than what you shared. So how did you do that? How did you get into my head and steal my entire story? That's my question. <laughs> well, I think that's really funny because I have also had that experience many times. People who I look at on their outsides, I think, oh gosh, they can't possibly have anything in common with me. They're too young, they're too attractive, they're too old, they're too something. They're too from another place. And they open their mouth and I'm like, oh, for Pete's sake. That's my story coming out of your mouth. So I do share that experience and I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. Anybody else like to ask a question? <clears throat> Yes. I'm Barbara, compulsive overeater. Hi, Barbara. I think, I mean, sometimes I wonder, you know, which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Because I'm like, when I'm abstinent, I feel like I'm more open-minded. But if I fall off of my abstinence, then I become very critical and, and rigid and, you know, um, suspicious, resentful, all that. So how do you make that that transition, you know, to being abstinent. I mean, just that first leap into being open-minded and abstinent at the same time. Well, you know, if I could put that in a bottle, I certainly would, and I would just give it to you. Because, you know, I, it's got to be God, right? You know, I mean, I, I, I make these little bargains with myself in my head, and I said, okay, if this person shows up at this meeting, I'm going to ask her to be my sponsor, right? The God bargain thinking, what chance could it possibly be? What's the probability that this woman is going to walk in? Well, of course they walk in. This has, every time I've ever made this bargain, they always walk in. And that's a surrender right there. I don't know if that's superstition or what that is. Taking a chance, fatigue, like I said, battle fatigue, desperation, something. And then it's just putting one foot in front of the other, you know, and it was just like, oh, okay, the next step is saying something to her. Okay, the next step is talking on the phone. And that's how I think it works for us. It, it is just, it's just one 
step at a time, one minute, one day, the minutes add up and the hours and the hours add up to a day and and you, I just put one step in front of the other and I can't tell you how many times I've written something and I look at it and go, there's no way in the world I'm ever going to read that out loud. And then I call my sponsor and then there's a voice in my head that says, you need to read that. Where does that come from? I mean, to me, it's got to be God. It's got to be God. You know, there has to be a place where you make that leap where, you know, I don't really feel like doing this right now, but I know God wants me to do it. Or, I don't really want to do this right now, but it worked yesterday, so maybe it'll work again today. I mean, it's just something like that. I don't understand it, but I do know that we have to deal with really small increments of time sometimes. Thanks. Any other questions? Because we can start on pitches now if you want to. Okay. So we do have time for sharing. We have lots of time for sharing. Okay. Um, so we do have opportunity now for open sharing. And our topic uh, this hour was um, becoming more open-minded. But really, you could share about another topic if you would like to. Would anyone like to share? Hi, Michelle. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Michelle. Thank you, Joanne. Your recovery is so beautiful, the, not just the physical, but especially the spiritual and the emotional. And just watching you and sharing in that for the last few years, it's, I'm very grateful for you. Um, when I was new, I was very desperate. And so I had heard and read, somebody pointed out in the big book where it talks about honesty, open-minded being open-minded and willing. And, you know, I had done all those commercial diet programs and thought, you know, like, oh, I don't have to do what they say. I know if I do this, then I can still do that. And, you know, you can't, like, that didn't work for me. Like, I thought that those things were working, and I would go in there and try to trick however you were supposed to do their program and, you know, and then gain back all the weight I lost plus, you know, the extra so just for me being open-minded and willing in this program was to just shut up and listen to what somebody suggested and do it actually do it and um and to get honest like you know i read and how it works and heard it in every meeting like you know if we have the ability to be honest with with ourselves that we can recover and you know, just being open-minded, a lot of the things I do, like, to this day, and I've been doing them for almost five years, I think they're silly, like, writing a letter to God and putting it in a God box, or, um, you know, figuring out what I'm going to eat and tell it to another person. Like, I don't need to do that. I know, I know what I can eat, you know, and I, I struggle with that sometimes. Like, I think, you know, I eat the same things over and over, and... You know, why do I have to tell somebody? I'll tell them later. And, you know, it doesn't work. That always gets me into trouble. So just being open-minded and, and doing what other people suggest. And, um, you know, I've seen people here in OA who, who had what I want, like, for the first time. You know, you go to a commercial diet program and you see the people on the posters. Are they real? Like, and, you know, you usually see something about them that they gained it all back, you know. I see, you know, like, people who just, their spirits are beautiful, and they've, 
you know, it's not even about the weight. You find out when you're, you know, like when you've been in. It's just about the spiritual principles of the program and just being open to that and open to, you know, that God cares about small little incidentals like my food, like what am I going to eat or, you know, how come I didn't feel this way? Like, God, please, you know, help me feel my range of feelings or just whatever. Like, you know, God, there's this God solution for everything that happens today. And I'm really grateful for that. I'm grateful for you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Would anyone else like to share? My name is Bill. I'm a compulsive overeater. I think about open-mindedness, about how our country, how our, our culture is becoming more open-minded. I was quite a bit older than all of you, know, and I remember back when AIDS, you wouldn't even say the word, when uh, the president wouldn't mention the word, because that was bad, bad. And I was just sitting with a, with a boyer who was sitting there knitting an uh, uh, Afghan or something to plant uh, <clears throat> auction at the, uh, some AIDS. It's, isn't it great that we can talk about such things now? I'm reading out the history now of a lady named Marty Mann, and she was the first woman who was successful in Alcoholics Anonymous. This is back in the, the 39, back in the, in the 30s, and how she was a, a woman which was a curse. You know, to, to alcoholics, they didn't, they didn't want to near, they didn't want she going to come in and, and disrupt, you know, excite the men and whatnot. And, uh, her and another lady were at a meeting and the men were talking about if they should be here. She says, we wouldn't look at you guys on the outside, so don't worry about it. <laughs> but uh, she was a divorced woman. So she was a woman, first of all, which is bad. She was a divorced woman, which is doubly bad. She was a, she'd been violated. You know, She wasn't whole. And on top of all of that, she was a lesbian. But she did. she never mentioned that public. And then today we hear people at our meetings talking about being gay. And uh, isn't it nice that they can do that? They can come on and say, and people say, oh my gosh. <laughs> but how uh, she broke all those things and how understanding we are right now, you know, and how, how acceptance we are as a whole society. And our nation is growing. Our, our world is growing. And uh, it, it, it makes me feel good. And myself, myself I'm growing. And uh, I think uh, my parents, my father was a real bigot, you know, and a, a racist and whatnot. We don't do that anymore. It's unacceptable anymore. And that's great. And I am a school bus driver, and uh, I was a fat kid. You know, I've heard that before. And I uh, hear these comments about, uh, boy, Bill, you got some big boobs. Like, oh, shit. What do you say to something like that? You know, there's the song of the rose, you know, it's like a razor to cut your heart to bleed. And that's mm-hmm. the price we pay to get into these rooms. You know, you put up with that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And it, it's painful. But that's the price we pay. And uh, But now, it's that school bus driver. There's a lot of fat kids out there now. And I, I, not that it's acceptable. I, I don't know how, what it is. But uh, I think the nation's got a problem with that. But, you know, it used to be it was scorned. But now it's you know it gets accepted, and I don't know if that's good or bad. But not the scorning part; that's bad. But uh, you need to do something about this uh, overweight kids. But anyway, and the last last thing that's still not acceptable. I was a I was people been on many many diets, many ways to lose weight, many things. Back when I remember sitting in something that looked like a washing machine, and your head sticking out, and you sweat the hell out of you. I'm sitting there thinking, you know. Most of your calories are burned keeping your body temperature up. 
when you're in here and you're keeping your body temperature up by a machine, your body doesn't have to work as hard. So get me out of here. <laughs> I'm away. I'd be better at sitting on an ice cube. But uh, I joined the Marine Corps because you never see a fat Marine. Well, I was a fat Marine. Aww. Yeah, there was two of us, me and a guy on the wall. I had the West Coast, and I thought it was bad being harassed in high school, but the Marine Corps put the varsity harassment. It was awful, but did my time. I got out. Fuck you guys. I'm out of here. Did my time. I got my honorable discharge four and a half years, and I was out. But anyway, uh, and that's still not accepted in the Marine Corps. But now, now they throw you out. But anyway, I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I'm in San Francisco. Y'all come down to San Diego next year. We'll be there. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Lauren. I'm For, for my uh, success thus far, in a way, I've only been in between eight and nine months. What I had to do, and this, this is actually goes back about four years, because I'm down by about 95 pounds. Um, I had to open my mind about food and workouts. I, I had to not listen to any of the stuff that had failed before and just try some different things and bypack and all this that you termed you might hear. And that's really worked for me, because I was able to become an athlete again. And no, I haven't been in the military. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those crazy gay people who likes to dress a little outrageously for my age at times, because I'm not at work. But uh, it's very nice to be in San Francisco, too. It's, it's always a treat to come up here. But um, that's really worked for me. I was able to start playing tackle football three years ago, and then when the team folded up, I joined roller derby. <laughs> because I'm crazy. My mother, so I'm going to give her a heart attack and poor thing. My father's all for it, you know. He didn't get to raise any boys, but, um, you know, maybe a third of them. So um, I had to keep my mind open, just like my family has had to keep their mind open and, and not be one of those people in the 80s that came out and got thrown out by their families, because I certainly remember those days, and it happened to friends of mine. I had to take friends in, sleep on the couch for a few days so they could find a, a real place to live when they decided in college to say, oh, I'm getting happy, and the parents said, get out. So uh, that happened so many times back then. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful that when, but that doesn't mean my mind's always been open about everything, you know. I think I probably still have a lot of elements in my life where my mind is not open to things. And I hope overall that this program will teach me to learn to open my mind about more things. You know, like having to be open to a higher power thing, that that was for me, that was not easy. That's probably still ongoing. It's probably going to, you know, be a developmental process, you know, as I continue to age and, and grow, I hope, in the program, you know. So thanks for letting me share. Hi, Barbara. Compulsive overeater. Hi, Barbara. Hi, Barbara. Hi, Barbara. So I was thinking of a couple of things. Um, one is, you know, my, my ideas. I always have thought that, you know, I do know what is best. And, uh, but in the back of my mind, I hear Dr. Phil's voice a lot. <laughs> How is that working for you? <laughs> and it's usually not working very well for me, so I have to like stop and and listen to others. But um, the other thing I was I was thinking I'm from uh, Vista, which is down by San Diego, down by Camp Pendleton, and the meeting I go to is in Oceanside. And amazingly, we have quite a few people from quite a few Marines that have been advised to come to Overeaters Anonymous uh, mm -hmm. by 
someone in the room, so I don't, I don't know who, but I, I think that's like really, really a good, you know, progressive thing that's happening now. So um, anyway, but uh, I'm hoping to get a little bit more open-minded about what I need to do. Maybe I should listen to my sponsor. <laughs> anyway, thanks. Thank you. Thank you.
I don't have to know God. All I have to know is that I am not God. I am mm-hmm. not God. Um, so that really, really helps me. That there is a power out there that's more powerful than I am. It can even, you know, just be a group. I know I have to get to more meetings. That's where, where I get recovery from other people's stories, from other people's shares. And just to know I'm not alone, um, I'm not unique. I always think I'm unique. I have all these troubles. I, when, it was, I, when I was new in program, I had to hear somebody share that their children were into juvenile delinquents. <laughs> and, and sure enough, mine are in their 50s and still delinquents. <laughs> and I shouldn't be that harsh on them because they are really trying uh, within their own programs. Um, so I, you know, I belong here. You're my peeps. Um, and somebody brought up gays and lesbians. I, I had a, a gay woman who had been married and had a child explain to me how, what it was like for her. And I understood, you know, that you know, she didn't really have a choice. Um, and one of my bosses was a lesbian. She was the best boss I ever had. I really, really respected her and loved her. So, uh, and I, I grew up in Canada. We don't have the kind of prejudices you have here. I think it's changing. I think they have some prejudices now with some immigration, immigrants. Um, and I've heard people say, you know, Color doesn't matter in Canada. And I, we kind of grew up with that. We didn't really grow up with a lot of, we were all immigrants. Families were all immigrants. So how could one say they were better than anybody else? So I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful to be here. And my mind is opening up every day. I'm grateful for that. I think my time's up. Your time. <laughs> See, my higher power. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Greg Pulsivir. Hi, Greg. I came into OA in the middle of 2006 and proceeded for the next two and a half years to eat my way before and after meetings. I had no recovery at all for two and a half years. In December of 2008, I found the key to my open-mindedness. And since that date, middle of December 2008, I haven't had a bite of dessert, haven't had a bite of junk food, maintaining a 55-pound weight loss, my normal body weight. Uh, And the best line for me in the big book, the key, the single key for my open-mindedness was in Bill's story. When Ebby came by to visit him to share his story of recovery, and the bottom of page 9, top of page 10, it said, he had come to pass his experience along to me if I care to have it. To translate it for me is if I was open-minded enough to listen to it. Then he says, I was shocked but interested. Certainly I was interested. I had to be because I was hopeless. At that moment in Bill's story, he became, I believe, my interpretation is he became open-mindedness to listen, finally, what someone else was telling me 
instead of listening to you and reinterpreting it into my own language, is, well, I can't do it. No, I'm not going to do five. No, I'm going to do a week. No, meditate in the morning. I don't have time for that. In other words, translating it. Bill wrote this story so that I could relate to his behaviors. And all the stories in the back of this book, which is where I get my recovery from, are the exact same story in different words. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets to a point in their story, like I did, where open-mindedness happens at the point of being hopeless, at the point of surrendering. And I've heard in the meetings, and I'm sure many have had too, uh, that surrender is good because it moves, you're willing to move to the winning side mm-hmm. for a change instead of fighting the losing battle. I had to be, for I was hopeless. In other words, he didn't even realize it. He took step one at that point. He was powerfully realized, without even realizing, he felt not here. I knew that was the case here, but I still went after the meetings to eat. But I had to feel it here that I was hopeless. I was powerless over food, and my life was unmanageable. And I believe in Bill's story, that is the moment that, that that happened. And then he became open-minded to the spiritual solution. For me, that open-mindedness really kind of occurs between steps one and two, which is finally admitting I was powerless over food and my life had become unmanageable, so I had to be open-minded there to accept the problem, the hopelessness, the defeat. And between step one and two for me is hopeless to hopeful, and then being open-minded to realizing that there's a way out, that I could be open-minded to the solution, not just the problem. Because I could say all day long, and you've said this too, it's the action, without even understanding it, it's the action that I take. If I just say, I am defeated, I am done, I'm hopeless, and just sit there and stay in bed for the rest of my life, (laughs) what good does that do? Absolutely not. The open-mindedness then has to occur for me, or had to occur when, hey, wait a minute, there's somebody sitting in that chair that was in the same spot, and they turned that key for the hope in step two. And they've been absent for decades. So I went up to him, middle of December 2008, and I said, well, how... What happened? How did you do that? He said, well, let me tell you. From that moment, by following his direction, being open-minded to following his direction, I became absent Mm. since that time. And I really believe the open-mindedness only occurred for me when I believed this in my heart and soul, that certainly I was interested in what that guy had to say, because I was hopeless. And I didn't want to stay in that spot. It was too painful to stay in that hopeless mm-hmm. spot. And he gave me the key to move on, saying, wait a minute. I believe in a higher power and blah, 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 blah. Here's the other steps. And I said, well, maybe I'll go from hopeless to hopeful between steps one and two. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful for that. And again, what you said, the most important thing, I don't have to understand a damn bit of this program. All I have to do is follow your suggestions. I'll pass. Thank you. I think we have time for one more.
I'll pitch in a little bit. Okay. Uh, I'm Mo, a compulsive reader. Hi, Mo. And I just fired my sponsor, so look at where I am. Uh, I'm over, a little bit overstating that. But um, uh, let's see. You know, I've heard people say, oh, you said my story. And I don't know if I ever really got that until today, where I've had the same feeling. I, I, um, not just that I heard my story, but I heard how my mind worked, you know, which feels a little clo more close to the bone, so to speak. Um, and I'm really stuck on this thing of uh, when I get hopeless, I just uh, try to get myself up and try harder with my own will. And um, it's, and yet I never, I, I don't know how to surrender. I don't know how that works. Um, I don't even feel like I'm capable of doing it through any act of will, otherwise I wouldn't even be here. So, um, that's it. I think that's all I just want to say. Thank you. Would you like to make a short pitch? Sure. Okay. I missed August.